Good morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. It is my pleasure to greet you on this happiest of mornings as we commemorate and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Want to uh, thank our Sunday school teachers for their continued hard work and getting lessons out and making those available for our young people to watch uh, each week. And also want to encourage you, if you even if you don't have uh, children in a given Sunday school class, to check out the different lessons. I've been asked to, in particular, give a plug for the second through fourth grade class. Apparently, Dave Mueller has been uh, doing some uh, interesting preparation, and the lessons that he has put out for today is is going to be especially uh, both informative and entertaining. So, if you have the opportunity. If you have not done so, make sure you check out uh, that lesson this morning. would also like to thank Steve McMillan for finishing up the church website. That is now up and running and almost uh, completely uh, finished. Uh, we need to update some pictures and add some pictures and, and perhaps add another page or two, but uh, we have a great working site that is up and he has done a fantastic job. Uh, you'll be able to find our uh, services available uh, on the website uh, as well as uh, through the uh, email updates. But uh, make a habit of, uh, of heading over to the website and uh, looking for updates and information that you can find there. And hopefully we will find some uh, uses for it also to keep uh, plugged, plugged in with one another as this quarantine continues. This morning, we really pick up where we left off on Friday with the Good Friday homily. Uh, before I read our passage this morning, I just want to warn you, um, I am recording this on Saturday afternoon, and apparently uh, the Marietta Easter Bunny is riding up and down the street in a uh, fire engine and blaring the siren and also... Uh, there's someone following behind playing loud music and they're having a great time and it sounds like fun. I'd like to, to go out and join them. Not really. Uh, but this is actually my third attempt at this video and I am going to press through even if they ride by. So, um, if you hear that, just try to ignore it as I will be trying as well. This morning we're going to look at John chapter 20 verses 19 through 31. I'll read those for you now. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, 
unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for the reality of the resurrection, for the promise of the resurrection that all who have come to faith in Christ have been declared righteous in your sight. Lord, what great news. We who were guilty, we who were deserving of death and hell have been made alive and reconciled to God through Christ our Lord. Lord, I pray for us during this time in your word, Lord, that your spirit would be at work as I preach. Lord, I ask for help and for clarity, and I ask for help uh, for my brothers and sisters as they listen. Uh, Lord, for any who may hear this message, who have yet to respond in faith to the gospel, Lord, I pray that today would be today that your spirit opens their eyes and their hearts to the truth. Lord, that they would see Jesus in his glory. Lord, that they would see their need for his sacrifice. And Lord, that they would run to Jesus. Lord, that they would place their faith in him that they're, and receive the salvation that only you can supply. Do your work for our good and for your glory, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, although we are unable to, to, to be together again physically this morning, uh, I do pray that you join me in the worship of our Savior who rose from the grave. Jesus is the one who has secured our standing with God forever. And we do worship. We worship through song. We worship as we pray together. We, we worship through the giving and the receiving of God's word, uh, uh, through the preaching of the word. And Christian, the resurrection is the most important aspect of the gospel message in terms of our assurance. Jesus died bearing the wrath of God. On Friday, the Good Friday message, we, 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 we left off with Jesus in the tomb. The, the disciples uh, mourning, uh, scattered, discouraged. The, the religious leaders thinking that they had won. 
But on that Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. And the resurrection is significant. The resurrection is the proof that all who come to faith in Christ are declared righteous by God. We are acceptable to God. We are accepted by God. We are safe and secure in Him because of what Jesus has done. We don't just tag the resurrection onto the gospel so it'll have a happy ending. The resurrection is the triumphant ending. Death has been defeated. Sin has been conquered. The people of God redeemed. Rejoice in that this day, brothers and sisters. Now, Friday at lunchtime, I I received a rather unnerving phone call. The, The fraud department from my credit card company, called to to check on some large purchases that had been attempted. In other words, someone had gotten my credit card number and and tried to run up some significant charges. They were committing what would be called fraud because they were pretending to be someone that they weren't in order to buy things that they probably couldn't otherwise pay for themselves. Fraud is simply... a a form of deceit. And we know that deceitfulness has been around since the Garden of Eden when Satan deceived and tempted Adam and Eve. Friends, the the way to deal with fraud is with the truth. In in the case of my credit card, it was relatively easy to, to have the charges denied because I could prove that I am me. The, the card company knows things about me that, that, that verify my identity. I was able to prove that, that I was me and that, that those purchases weren't things that I was trying to make. Now, if you watch the Good Friday homily from John 19, then you know that John does not hide the fact that he is an eyewitness to everything about which he writes. He wants his audience to know that that the gospel is true, that it's accurate, that the Lord about whom he writes is indeed the Son of God, not a fraud. As we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord this morning, I want to focus on an event that took place eight days after Jesus rose from the dead, his encounter with Thomas, who had yet to see Jesus in his risen state. Now, last Sunday, from the triumphal entry, we we considered the promise of coming peace. Friday, for Good Friday, we we came face to face with the price that Jesus paid to make peace between God and man. And this morning, as we celebrate the resurrection, I, I want us to consider the pathway of peace that we find through faith in Christ. Now, I'm going to focus primarily this morning on John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. And in so doing, I want to do so under three main points. The first one being a doubting disciple. The the second being uh, under the heading of of when uh, of, of sorrow turned to joy. And then the third and, and final point being the pathway to peace through faith in Christ our Lord. And and it's my prayer again this morning that we would see Jesus in his glory through the resurrection. 
Let's look first at verses 24 and 25 at a, at a doubting disciple. John writes, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in into his and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side i will never believe now thomas is definitely one of the lesser known disciples up to this point in john's gospel in fact john's gospel is the only gospel where we find the any significant information about him concerning his actions Matthew, Mark, and Luke only mention the fact that he was one of the 12 disciples. They, they, they don't tell us anything else about him. But John gives us a little bit more to go on as, as he highlights two other times in Thomas's association with Jesus as a disciple where Thomas spoke up over the course of Jesus' ministry. Now, Thomas is almost always tagged with the title the twin, and, and we don't know if his twin was a brother or a sister, only that Thomas had a twin, and he was a twin. And for a disciple with so little written about him, I personally think he gets a bad rap. As I use this first heading for verses 24 and 25, a doubting disciple, I would put the word doubting in quotation marks sure he's doubting but 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 oftentimes I, I think we are too quick to 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 belittle Thomas for what he had to say he's usually referred to as doubting Thomas and this I don't think is a fair assessment of who he is now how would you like for your entire life to be characterized by your actions and words at your lowest point in life, because that's really where Thomas was. To, to, to appreciate Thomas's response to the news that Jesus had risen, I, I want us to quickly consider the other two instances John records uh, him speaking in this gospel. The first is found in John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Now, a little context here. This is where uh, Mary and Martha have sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick. And, and you remember the story. Uh, Jesus gets word. He decides not to go right away. In fact, he, he waits two days and Lazarus then uh, passes away. Now, Jesus and his disciples were ministering away from Jerusalem because we were at a point in Jesus' ministry here in John chapter 11 where the, the religious leaders are out to get him. They want to kill him. And so uh, Jesus and his disciples have, have withdrawn from Jerusalem and are take, really taking the show on the road, if you will. Uh, and they are away when uh, Jesus gets news that Lazarus is sick. Now, Mary and Martha and Lazarus all lived in the town of, of Bethany. We've, we, we heard of that town uh, this past week, or on Friday, as, as we, um, excuse me, on Sunday, as we considered the triumphal entry. Bethany was located just two miles from Jerusalem. And so when Jesus tells the disciples it's time to go to Lazarus, the disciples are understandably concerned. 
when they actually raised the question, Jesus, don't you remember there are people in Jerusalem that want to stone you? Jesus, hello. You're going to a place where people want you dead. And as the disciples are wavering, it is Thomas who steps up in verse 16 and says this. He says, if Jesus is going, let let us also go that we may die with him. There's not a lot of doubt there, right? If Jesus is going to Jerusalem, (laughs) Thomas says, I'll go too. Sign me up. Now, even even if he's being pessimistic, we cannot argue that he's loyal. While the other disciples were fretting, Thomas had resolved himself to go where Jesus went. Now, Thomas's next appearance is in John chapter 14. And hopefully you remember uh, that chapters 13 through 18 contain Jesus' last teaching to his disciples before his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. It also uh, uh, contains his... Uh, His prayer in the garden, uh, the high priestly prayer for his disciples and for us. And I want to read John 14, 1 through 7. Jesus is speaking. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Thomas is responding to the news that Jesus will be going away. And his question really should be read as more of a plea. The the thought of separation from the Lord weighed heavily on him. It seems the little that we learn about Thomas from the Gospel of John is that Thomas is is most secure in the presence of the Lord, as he should be. So so as we get to to John chapter 20, verses 24 and 25, we, we come across a disciple that sure is doubting, but he is a depressed disciple. Because Jesus has been crucified and, and, and to Thomas's knowledge is dead. Now, I don't know if you've ever struggled with depression. I have, and, and it's hard. It's hard even to hear what's true when you are struggling under that weight. And I think it would be wise for us as we read about Thomas's doubt to, to do so from the lens of, uh, of this is a disciple who was grieving strongly the loss of his Lord and Savior. 
It was a dark time. He was not with them the first time Jesus appeared to the other disciples. And he simply, in his depression, could not imagine that the Lord had been raised from the dead. He did not yet understand that that, that needed to happen. But, but powerfully and, and, and compassionately, in, in verses 26 through 29, we see Thomas's sorrow turn to joy as Jesus appears yet again to the disciples and, and to him as he is with them in the upper room. Verse 26, John writes, Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus appears with a proclamation of peace. This is the the same greeting he gave when he first appeared to the disciples on the Sunday that he rose from the dead and appeared in the upper room. Peace be with you. Now, on Friday, I encourage you to go back and, and read John chapter 13 through 18. And if you did, I want to tell you, great job. And if you did, you, you, you might remember that Jesus had a few things to say to the disciples about peace. We, we read the beginning of chapter 14 just a moment ago, and, and that begins with the phrase from Jesus, let not your hearts be troubled. He then goes on to to promise to prepare a place for them, that they will be with him forever. He then promises that whatever they ask for in his name, they will receive because he is one with the Father. Next, Jesus promises the coming of the Holy Spirit to guide them, to, to teach them, and to help them. In this passage, in John chapter 14, Jesus is describing how he will give his peace to his disciples. And he sums it up in verse 27. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And this theme of peace continues through chapter 16. Jesus wants them at peace because they belong to him. And eight days after his resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples and greets them in peace, then immediately turns his attention to Thomas, who at this point, I imagine, is completely dumbfounded. But Jesus does not deal with Thomas in a harsh way. But he meets him at the point of his unbelief and his grief. Jesus says, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. This is a a gentle and loving call from the Lord to faith. And it's also a call to be released from this burden of grief that Thomas was under. 
You, you, you can almost feel the, the compassion as, as you read Jesus' response to Thomas. Don't believe, or don't disbelieve, but believe. Believe, Thomas, believe. And Thomas believes. His response is, is one of the clearest statements on the deity of Christ thus far in the New Testament. My Lord and my God. The, the doubt and despair were long gone as Thomas expresses this truth. Jesus is our Lord and our God. Before I move on this morning, I, I want to consider this question. Christian, what does it mean for you to call Jesus Lord? My Lord and my God could, could be understood as, as, as my master and my God. This is as, as close as you can get in the Greek to, to, to describing what the Hebrew word Yahweh means. And Yahweh in the Old Testament was, was, was the designation about God used to describe his sovereign power and nearness to his people. My Lord and my God, what, what does this mean for us believers well, number one, it means that he is in charge. In paying the price to redeem us from our sins and, and, and restoring us to God, Jesus lays absolute claim over every area of our lives. And, and, and brothers and sisters, this is the greatest truth. We need his lordship in our lives. Christianity, uh, salvation, is, is not something we just add to our lives to make it better. Going to church because there are nice people there, while that is true, it is not the same thing as seeing Jesus as Lord. Jesus as Lord and God in our lives means that, 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 that we live every aspect of our lives, or, or we seek to live in a way where every aspect of our lives is a testimony to, to what he has done for us. Apart from his faithfulness in his life, his death, his resurrection from the dead, we would have no hope. We would be in our sins. We would be doomed for hell, damnation, God's judgment. But Jesus took that wrath, that judgment, that condemnation we deserved when he died on the cross so that we could be restored to God. He deserves our total devotion, brothers and sisters. We need to strengthen that devotion to him. Quickly, let me keep going. In verses 29 through 31, we see the pathway to peace. Continuing, uh, following Thomas's response, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. 
Now many other signs, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now Thomas's faith was real, but Jesus makes it clear that there's something better than seeing to believe. And that's faith based on the truth for those who have never seen Jesus with their physical eyes. Now, Thomas's response to the Lord should be our response, even though we have not seen Jesus physically with our eyes. We should proclaim, not just with our lips, but with our lives, that Jesus is our Lord and our God. We have seen him through the eyes of faith, if you will, as he's been revealed in God's word. And so we believe. And, and John writes, and Jesus said that this is true blessedness. And, and remember that word blessedness, blessedness means the, the joy that we have because we have been accepted by God. We are at peace with God. Now, Friday, I presented the Apostle John as the eyewitness and in verses 30 and 31, John makes it clear that all that he has recorded in this gospel is done so, so that we can become the blessed ones that Jesus refers to in verse 29. Those who have not seen yet believe. That we will be, that we'll believe, that we'll have faith, we'll be forgiven, that we'll be reconciled to God and have true life in his name. That's, that's what John sets forth there in verse 31. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is true peace, brothers and sisters, to have our sins forgiven, to be restored to God. Jesus is the promise of peace. He is the purchaser of our peace. And in his resurrection, we find the pathway to peace with God through faith in him. Now, Romans chapter 4, verse 23 through chapter 5, verse 11, deal with an important reality concerning the death and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 states that Jesus was delivered up to death on a cross for our trespasses, our sin, how we have broken God's law, and that he was raised from the dead for our justification. To be justified means to be declared righteous by God, and, and righteousness is the requirement of God to be restored to God. So Jesus' righteousness, Jesus who never sinned, Jesus who lived the perfect life and, and, and offered his life in our place, bearing God's wrath, his righteousness is credited to us just as our sin was credited to Jesus as he hung on the cross in our place. So, so with this righteousness that has been given to us and imputed to us by Christ, we are now justified in the sight of God. We are accepted by God. We are secure in God. In rising from the dead, Jesus proves that all who come to him in faith are declared righteous in God's sight. Our guilt has been removed and we are acceptable to God. 
This is the purpose of the gospel, that we would be restored to God. God is the purpose. God is the reward. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, I I started off this morning referencing the 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 problem of fraud and even the steps that, that, that John has taken to assure us as a eyewitness that Jesus is who he says that he is. But I also want you to know that in the weeks between Jesus' resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven, he was literally seen by hundreds of people. There were a multitude of witnesses to the resurrected Lord. Jesus is not a fraud. Jesus is the Lord. Now, Christian, you are called, like John, to be a witness. A witness concerning what Jesus has said and done in his word, and also a witness concerning what your salvation through him, how God and and his spirit has been at work in your life. People need to see the difference that the Lord makes. If he is Lord and we are want to live in a way that reflects what he has done and how great he is, then a change will take place. It's a process. But our lives, as we read and submit ourselves to God's word and the spirit of God works within us, begin to be changed. We, become, we begin to look more and more like the God who saved us. And we need to speak to others of God and his love and the work of Jesus on the cross in order to to redeem all who believe. I want to encourage you and, and challenge you, brothers and sisters, believers, to take up this mantle of a witness for Christ, a witness to the gospel and a witness to God's goodness. Non-Christian, you are being called to believe. Perhaps you, you, you have an attitude like Thomas had in his grief. I won't believe it till I see it. Well, friend, let me tell you, if you wait until you see it, it will be too late. I mentioned last Sunday that the next time that Jesus returns, it will not be riding a donkey as a king of peace, but he will be coming as a king in glory to establish his kingdom. Jesus gave his life and bore the punishment that you deserve, God's wrath, for every sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit. Any sin is treason against God. It is deserving of the death penalty. But God in his patience and forbearance has made a way through the faithfulness of his son that if you will just turn to him in faith, if you will believe, recognize your need, your guilt before God, and receive the gift of salvation that Jesus provides as you trust in his faithfulness, his sacrificial death in your place, he will restore you. 
to God. He will wash you clean from your sins. He will clothe you in his righteousness and you will be saved. This is our only hope in this life. Let this be the day that you believe. He is risen. He is risen indeed.